the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. A lot of people are taking today off. It's a holiday for a lot of people, isn't a lot of, it? A lot of, it's not like they're taking today off. I mean, a lot of people have it. Right. Off. Well, it's a government holiday, I guess. Yes. Did you notice the difference in traffic coming in? No, I didn't. There oh, was, yeah. I had a lot of traffic. Did you? Yeah, I did. Well, I think the city's off. I think the state's off. All you know, government employees. Well, sadly, they were all in the parkway. <laughs> Maybe they're all shopping, right? They're all headed out to uh, the mall or to Chick-fil-A. You mean at the mayor's bidding? Because <laughs> today's Columbus Day. 527 years ago, Christopher Columbus, while trying to reach Asia, accidentally, this is nice, mm-hmm. discovered the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. When you, it's kind of like you know, going on like an, an airplane, a mystery airplane. And think you're going to Cleveland, but instead you're going to the Bahamas. It'll be fine. It's a happy accident. I think so, too. Okay, um, a lot of people, this has become sort of, uh, again, a politically correct flashpoint day, right? So people not would go, familiar with politically correct. Hold on, people. I don't. Well, I'm not going to celebrate Columbus Day. You know, he's a mass murderer. Or what, you know, people really upset about Christopher Columbus and what he has unleashed on the continent of North America. I got to be honest. It's ridiculous. No, it's not that it's ridiculous. I'm just not particularly educated on it. Well, I, I made the mistake of saying, and that wasn't a mistake. It's not a mistake at all. I just said at dinner this weekend to my family, yeah. you know, I don't know why people are so upset about Christopher Columbus. I mean, it's not like we have to blame him specifically for every person who subdued an indigenous person. And then both my husband and my daughter, who are not reactive people, Basically told me I had no idea what I was talking about, really? and that Christopher Columbus really was as horrible as people say. Right. Okay. So, but that's all I got. Okay. Well, apparently he was not a good guy, right? But he did, for better or worse, discover the right. land which we are Is, currently was sitting Vasco on. Vasco da Gama, a good guy. Right. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Was he was was I, he better or worse than Vasco? I don't think there was a moral purity test for explorers of the age. Was there? It took a certain sort of weirdness it, and grit. Uh, yeah, it has a it has a strange personality. The, to the get person on a boat, that, right? To do that. And oh, by the way, you may fall off the edge of the earth, right? Maybe because we think it might be flat, right? Okay, and now look, many tomes have been written about the I treatment mean, of, of Native I'm, Americans. Am I going to get in trouble for being too flippant? No, I'm not no, no, trying no. to be flippant about it. It's just don't you reach a point where you just experience some degree of tiredness over trying to keep up with. Everything. Trends. And with the outrage mm-hmm. that we're supposed to have over a lot of things. Yes, there, there is that, right? So for many years, I think FDR, back in the 40s, was the first American president to make this day Columbus Day. Is that right? Yes. So for many decades, we have celebrated the arrival of Christopher Columbus in Are some... Are we mad at FDR? Should we no, be mad at FDR? No, I don't think so. No. But you should also acknowledge, I believe is true, 
the suffering and the murder oh, and all course. that of indigenous Native yes. Americans. Yes. There's no doubt about oh that, right? Gosh, but at the same time saying, hey, we're here because some guy had the chutzpah to get on a little tiny boat, actually three boats, what? The Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria, mm-hmm. who, by the way, uh, scale models of the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria, they make uh, visits to Pittsburgh. Do you know that? I was on them. Were you? Mm-hmm. How was that? They're tiny. Are they very small? Yeah. Holy smokes. You think, again, the Can weird you imagine grit. being on the ocean in that? No. No. Tossed around like a cork no. in the mass. But you're right. You, a person who's going to get on a boat and do the, a, a ship like that and do that sort of thing is probably not the same personality who's going to be compassionate and understanding. And or your barista kind of, at Starbucks. Right. right. He's not the same guy. <laughs> and any crew member is not the same guy who's yeah. you know working at Target or whatever right. or, or sitting at, behind a microphone here. They, they didn't take a social worker with them. No. If it was me, I'd be crying on the boat as soon as we left I'm going to get in trouble. People are going to think I'm flipping. I don't mean to be flipping, but it's it's a lot. I think you just have to say what it is. Right. You know, We're celebrating our native land, the Discovery America, despite all the horror. All right. There's no sort of exchange here. I'm fine with happy. celebrating indigenous people. I think it's a great idea. Well, I think so, too. God bless so them. So let's, let's, let's do that. All right. Well, then later on today, we're going to talk about angels and that. We're going to get in trouble for that as well. Okay, <laughs> Do you know anything it's about tough... Columbus Day that uh, I yeah, should know? Yeah, I got a few things know? about Columbus Day. Uh, nobody knows what happened to the Nina and the Pinta. Columbus famously made that first jo- uh, voyage, mm-hmm. Nina, Pinta, Santa Maria. Uh, the Santa Maria ran aground and sank during Columbus's first voyage. Oh, okay. Right? So they took everything off the, the Santa Maria, put it on the Pinta and the Nina. The Pinta safely returned home, but nobody knows what happened to it after that. Back now, the, to Spain? Yeah. They returned home to Spain. Yep. The Nina continued to sail for many years after its most famous journey, but history loses track of the ship after a 1501 trading voyage, according to the Columbus Foundation. Yeah, there were no fog lights then, right? Christopher Columbus was arrested. Now, here's where this comes in, okay? So Spain made Columbus the governor of the island of Hispaniola, and he and his brothers, Christopher Columbus's brothers, Bartolomo and Diego, shared the rule of a fledging Spanish colony for seven years. But their rule did not go well. Mm. The Columbus brothers killed and enslaved... Oh, there we go. ...many of the natives and hanged Spanish colonialists who questioned their rule. All three were arrested, shipped back to Spain in chains, and they were eventually, all three, released. Modern-day Hispaniola is divided into the nations of Haiti and the DR. Oh, How about I, didn't, that? I didn't know that. The Columbus okay, family... Okay, so not good guys. No, not good All guys. Right. My family was right. Yep. Thank you there, family. Mm-hmm. Thanks, straight. fam. The Columbus family sued the Spanish government. Spain originally promised Christopher Columbus 10% of all the riches as a result of his discovery. After Columbus's arrest and his death in 1506, the government said, mm, we no. don't think so, null and void. However, Christopher Columbus's son, Diego, sued the Spanish government, saying that they not only deserved the money, but the right to govern all of America, not just the islands that Christopher Columbus discovered. After decades of lawsuits, which is, you know, I think 1500s lawsuits, mm-hmm. the family was granted lands and titles in Jamaica and Hispaniola, and an annual payment of 10,000 ducats to the Columbus heirs. Do you think there's a descendant who could pick up the national debt? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that ship, as they say, has sailed, and not in the, the Nina, not the Pinta. Some states choose not to celebrate Columbus Day. Columbus accomplishments, uh, as I said, 1934 with FDR, a federal holiday. But 
because of the explorer's somewhat checkered past, mm-hmm. some states and cities choose not to formally observe the day. Among them are Florida, Hawaii, Alaska, Vermont, South Dakota, New Mexico, and Maine. And uh, they have replaced this with Indigenous Day. Great. Columbus, Ohio, named after the man himself, chooses not to recognize Columbus Day as a holiday. Is that right? That's right. Columbus is out. Well, if Columbus Mm -hmm. is out, then what the heck are the rest of us doing? I don't know. I mean, for goodness sake. I heard in Providence, Rhode Island, they just defaced him. (laughs) That's right. They couldn't be bothered to take him down. They just had to wreck him where he stood. Statues, yeah, yeah. That's from uh, Jacob Tierney, who uh, is a staff writer at the Tribune Review. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Jacob. Maybe Jacob was talking to my family over the weekend. That's why they're (sighs) all like... So in my grill about it. Well, I mean, history's fascinating, isn't it? Yes. I mean, who in history, other than Jesus, is uh, zero. pure and clean? Not one. Yeah. Not so, a single and yet person. people still decided to kill him. Ex- exactly, Mike. <laughs> Not Columbus, but Jesus. Even right? if you're perfect. Exactly. They come after you regardless. The point of the day, made by new Mike. God bless you, Mike. Statue for you. Heads up, man. Here we come. Coming into port. Take a break. Come back. Uh, what are we talking about he here? He spent all night looking for that sound. He was like, I got to find the sound. <laughs> Kurt Bjorklund's coming up next. Look, he just saw Joker. Yeah. We're going to talk about peace. Peace be with you. We'll see if he's feeling peaceful. Mm-hmm. Stick around. <laughs> Kurt Bjorklund, Orchard Hill Church in a few minutes. Hey, there are lots of changes happening in healthcare today, and it's confusing. Fortunately, I know someone that's been on the forefront of health insurance for years. It's Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They help to determine which plan is right for you, and they'll help you to choose the best plan for your needs and do it prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley. Do you have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley. Want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer. Because they know how to design the plans, most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousands of dollars a year. So call Todd. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 or on the web, marleyfg.com. 101.5 WORD. In many parts of the world, China, Africa, India, Southeast Asia, people have never heard, have never heard the name of Jesus. Even if they have, many lack the resources to learn about it. Word FM has teamed with the Bible League to send God's Word to the world. $5 will send a Bible now. $100 will send 20 Give now at wordfm.com keyword Bibles or call 1-800-YES-WORD. Hello? Is this thing on? Okay, uh, could I get a little more volume? Oh, whoa! Okay, never mind. It's fine. Just there, right where it is. Hey, if your AV system sounds like this... Or if it sounds like this. Or if it sounds like this. You need good sound. Uh, Guys, I think we lost... Uh, Okay, hey, we're back. You need good sounds. Good sound specializes in design and installation of audio-visual equipment for churches and schools. You might not need new equipment. An expert adjustment might be all you need to get the most out of the equipment you already have. So visit goodsounddesign.com. Oh, come on! Uh, That's goodsounddesign.com and click the $99 evaluation to schedule a general tune-up and review of your current AV system today. Because remember, if it can't be heard... (sighs) Let's try that again. If it can't be heard, it can't be good. Good sounds. Book now at goodsounddesign.com. Nobody does spicy like Wendy's. 
Yep. So all hail the Queen of Spice, because this is the day Wendy's Spicy Nuggets are back. And tomorrow is the day Wendy's Spicy Nuggets are back. Wendy's brought them back. So now every day is the day Wendy's Spicy Nuggets are back. This is, this is the day. To get the scenic route, but this is the way. That's all news, baby. This is the day. They gonna miss us today. You will miss us today. Wendy's Spicy Nuggets are back. Get yours this day. We got you. For a limited time, only at participating Wendy's. in this slot, we go to Greg Clugston, who joins us weekly uh, from the White House, where he is the White House pool reporter for Salem Radio News. And if you're tuning in to hear Greg, we're sorry because he's taking a day off. Right. But I think about this slot often because we try to stay away from politics on the show. Of course, it's impossible in today's day and age. Politics are so deeply... Divisive. Yes. Rancorous. Uh, just. You know how it is. Your blood goes through the roof. Left, right, whatever, uh, red state, blue state, it's just a mess out there. So where do you find your peace in this life, right? We as believers in Jesus Christ, we are not to worship a political party or an ideology. We are to follow. A the, person. Yes. The king of the, the world, right? The prince of peace. Kurt Bjorklund is with us. Kurt is a senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. Kurt, uh, always a pleasure to have you with us, sir. Thanks for coming along today. How are you? Thank you. Very good. It's great to be with you today. Thank you. So, Kurt, I heard that you have just finished watching Joker. I actually did, yes. Uh, My boys and I and my wife uh, took uh, their day off school and thought we'd take in a little matinee. Excellent. All right. So can you you give us your quick uh, review? No, No, you don't. No no. spoilers. I'm saying no. (laughs) I mean, no spoilers. No spoilers, but he's allowed to tell us what he thinks. Yeah, okay. Look at John's upset because he wants to go see it. No spoilers. Okay. Thank you, Kurt. It it attempts to um, take a dark figure and make him sympathetic. Oh, mm. really? And do they do they succeed from your estimation? That's probably every uh, viewer's opinion mm. in the end. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, that's that's where I'll leave it for the spoiler okay, alert thank side. You. So in the midst of all that um, that dark figure, was there peace to be found for the Joker? <laughs> not in that movie. No. <laughs> there was not. I would say that. Okay. Uh, for sure. That okay. seems definitive. Yeah. Right. All right. So then what about um, how did you feel in the film? I mean, was it, 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 are you a kind of person that's affected by what you watch? I'm able to detach and see it as a film. Good. So, um, but it, certainly you, you experience the highs and lows of the kinds of things that drive somebody to uh, respond negatively to events. Mm-hmm. So the movie itself, Kurt, uh, you know, we're going to talk about peace in a second here, but it's just a phenomenon, isn't it? I mean, I think Mike was telling me worldwide, Mike, Mike Duffy, my producer, like $550 million in the first week or so. So, I mean, people, people are invested in seeing something like this, even though we know it's dark, even though we know that it's filled with, um, you know, a lot of things that are not uh, peaceful and soothing, yeah, but we his, lean into it. But his character, and I'm not a Batman fan, but there, there's so much background in his character. People want to know where, how it happened. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's the draw of it, is if you've seen those other movies, there's something about seeing the development of the character mm-hmm. that is of interest. Uh, but 
to say more than that would definitely push into spoiler alert. Okay, good. So, so we'll uh, we'll pull up. Right okay, Thank all right. You. So you said that watching <laughs> you said that watching films, Kurt. You know, you can get. We oftentimes can go in and out, you know, getting pulled into the drama of it, being able to separate ourselves. I have to say, I know that films are not real life, but real life can be the same way. I mean, depending on what's happening in our lives or the people around us, we can get pulled in and pulled out of the drama. Absolutely. And and I think that's part of the idea of, of peace here today. I was reading recently in John 14, where Jesus says, I give you peace. And then he says, but not peace like the world gives. And that just really struck me, because everybody wants peace in some way. And and peace is actually a deeply biblical word in the Old Testament. It's often translated from the Hebrew word shalom, which means a general sense of well-being. In the New Testament, it's a Greek word, arene, which has a similar meaning. And often it's just extended as a greeting in the Bible, peace I give to you, or peace and grace be with you. And it's a hope for well-being. And a lot of our pursuits in this world are really driven by our hope for well-being. Mm-hmm. If you say, what I need is I need more acclaim, or I need more money or better resources, or I just want to be loved, I just want things to go well with my family. Well, what's behind that always is a sense of peace. And the, and the challenge is, is that so often um, that peace, the world's peace, which in world here, I don't think is is a negative word. Like sometimes Christians hear the word world and think of it always as being this this evil system. And certainly in the Bible, it can be that, but it can also just be a default system of the way things are. And and so the world's peace tends to be uh, something that is uh, temporary. Uh, it can change very quickly, and something that's conditional. And anything that's conditional or temporary is not the peace that God um, offers mm-hmm. to his followers. And what's what's really telling is in that same verse, Jesus says, um, don't let your hearts be troubled, don't be afraid. And so what we really see is often what it is that scares us or what troubles us points to the very things that we have made a bigger object of peace in our lives than, than a lasting peace, something that isn't temporary, something mm-hmm. that isn't conditional. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the real hope that, that Jesus offers, is this peace that, uh, I think it's Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that says it's a peace that passes all understanding. That, that means you can live with a sense of, of peace that isn't conditioned just on your circumstances. And that's something that, that is very winsome in the midst of our world. Yes. We're talking to Kurt Bjorkland, senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. Uh, Kurt, later in our show, we're going to talk about um, a study that came out, published by the Harvard Review, that young people are quitting their jobs in record numbers over mental health. And I'm wondering, you know, not only are you a pastor, but you've got four kids. And um, isn't it isn't it shocking to hear your your kids, your kids' friends, talk about how many of them are plagued with a lack of peace? whether it's anxiety or it's depression or fear for the future or fear of low performance in academics or the workplace or whatever. I mean, is that something that you're seeing in the work that you're doing? Well, without a doubt. that's uh, It probably has always been that way, but in a sense it's um, it maybe more obvious because of how connected people are via social media and other things where you, you see more of it. But, but the root issue 
as you allude to there, Kathy, is really identity. Is it saying, I get my identity from uh, being part of this or being successful or having things go well? And the hope that Jesus offers ultimately is that the identity uh, for each person can come from their relationship with God through Jesus Christ, not through those other things. Uh, I was sitting with somebody the other day who was um, facing a prognosis of likely death in the days ahead, and and I was struck by the peace that this person had. Uh, he was able just to say to me in very simple words, you know, I'm at peace with where I am, where I'm going. And that's, again, so counter to our culture that mm-hmm. says I can't possibly be at peace if things aren't to my liking or to my good. I can't have well-being. And the ultimate peace of Jesus is a peace that, a, a well-being that isn't conditioned by those circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, and again, that's where the mental health issue and maybe certainly more psychotic issues or issues that are physiological aren't what I'm speaking of here as much, but but that's where mental health issues of depression and anxiety and fear really underlie um, or show point to something where we're saying, this is what I need in order to have well-being instead of having my well-being rooted in something deeper. Right. And, and so, Kurt, that friend of yours who was ready to walk through the valley of death, I would say that's you know a rare thing, that even though we... We know the peace of Christ, and we catch glimpses of that. I, I think that most of us, the majority of Christians, do not lead a peaceful existence. We just, we're just like the rest of the world. It's hard for us to fold over and to surrender to Jesus in that peacefulness. Absolutely. And yes, and, and some of the verses, peace is actually a very common word in the Bible. I think it's 367 times. And, uh, and so it's used over and over, and if you look at some of the references that exist to the Word, um, it really points to something that is um, that you can live with, but you can also, even as a believer, miss. Because Jesus um, at times says, you know, I give you this gift, and then some of the other epistles will say things like, like uh, don't let your heart be troubled. Uh, through prayer and supplication, let the peace of Christ that passes all understanding uh, live in you, in essence. And so there's an element of choice and action and turning Christ in prayer and reading the Word and and being in community that helps us worship, that helps us to live in a place where, instead of being dominated by the fears and anxieties of, of the world, uh, you can live in the midst of the world, still care deeply about those things, but not be dominated by them. Kurt Bjorklund's with us. Orchard Hill Today is on 9.30 a.m. weekdays here on Word FM. All right, Kurt, so give us a couple minutes. Tell us what's going on at Orchard Hill. Well, we uh, have uh, now our three campuses, the Strip District, Butler County, and Wexford. uh, And we have eight different services every weekend uh, between the different locations. So uh, great things are happening there. We're uh, gearing up already for... Christmas Eve this year, there'll be 15 services at our Wexford campus and uh, several others at uh, each of the other campuses. So some wonderful things. We have a group of students on a mission trip, just got back from a mission trip this weekend. 
Uh, so, so lots of lots of fun things happening at Orchard Hill. Terrific. Well, well, Kurt, thanks an awful lot. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm listening to you, uh, nine thirty every morning I love here. Your show. I, I do, do too. I think you're a terrific preacher, and you know we're not just talking. As you know, we just love what you're doing, and for you to talk about peace in the midst of all your busyness with your family and all the different services that go on at Orchard Hill. Clearly, you're following along the Prince of Peace. So, thank you for that. Well, thank you for having me on today. Enjoy your afternoon. That's Kurt Bjorklund, Senior Pastor Orchard Hill Church. Information available, wordfm.com. Thinking about life insurance? Did you know in just a few minutes you can find the best price from up to 10 price competitive companies for free? You can with SelectQuote. For example, George is 39. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $22 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. The Forever Mark Diamond Tribute Collection. For your courage, passion, determination. For your tenderness, spirit, and the way you love. For all that you are. The Forever Mark Tribute Collection. A diamond for each of your qualities. Forever Mark. Beautiful, rare, responsibly sourced. Explore the Forever Mark Tribute Collection at Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road. Visit trinityjewelers.com. You see them all around town. Cintas trucks and their service reps taking care of customers. When companies use Cintas, you know they're confident and ready. Cintas helps with their fire protection and first aid and safety programs, handles their apparel solutions, and helps keep their facility and restrooms clean and stocked. So you know those companies care about their employees, facilities, and image. When all those things work together, they're ready for business. Oh, I'm ready! Get Cintas and get ready for the workday. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, WeatherTech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. Get your truly free credit scores and free credit monitoring from Credit Karma today. Download the Credit Karma app now. Credit Karma, here's to progress. Washington County parents, you have a choice in your child's education. For nearly 40 years, Central Christian Academy in Houston is where pre-K through 8th grade students receive the comprehensive education they need to become top of the class. Learn more at ccaschool.com. Mainly clear for tonight. It'll be chilly overnight for the low of 37. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a pleasant afternoon, high 67. Becoming cloudy tomorrow night. A little bit of rain will be developing toward daybreak, low 53. 
Then for Wednesday, periods of rain in the morning, mostly cloudy, breezy, and rather chilly for the rest of the day, Wednesday's high 53. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Happy birthday to Paul Simon. I love that song. You can call me out. Really. I love that whole album. Oh, that's a great album. It really is. Graceland. Yeah. Fabulous. Look, I'm a major fan. I, I know you are. You went and saw him when he was here in Pittsburgh I saw last his, time. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, like a lot of aging, you know, uh, what, I guess you call him a rock star. Whatever. I, yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, um, all these guys and gals are doing their farewell tours. And mm-hmm. so Paul Simon last year came into Pittsburgh at the Paint, PPG Paint, and did his final show. You know, he's just said, I'm done touring. He said, I, I might pop up once in a while, maybe, you know, appear on late night talk shows and whatnot. But for all intents and purposes, he's done. Look, I've been following Paul Simon since I was a kid. Hmm. And um, to me, he's like, and I just love him so much. Uh, he sort of expands across a lot of different genres. I mean, I think, you know, single handedly brought, you know, multicultural music into consciousness of uh, American mainstream public, you know, with, uh, with Graceland and things like that. Just as a songwriter, I think he's really deep. I love his playing. I just think he's really a fascinating guy. I follow him because, because you know, the thing about the God thing in him, and if you listen to any number of his, of his songs over the years, he is by extension, and he's talked about this, he's a cultural Jew. He is not what you would call a religious person. Mm. But clearly, when you listen to his music, he's a man of faith. Um, even his most recent albums talk about God on a regular basis. So I just love him so much. He's much more than Graceland and, mm-hmm. you know, Simon and Garfunkel. When Bridge you think over about troubled it. waters. Yeah, he's much more than that. He's a really deep guy who has surrounded himself with quality musicians. Oh, for sure. I mean, just. He always has. He just crushes it. Yeah. So happy birthday, Paul Simon. How old do you think he is? I think he may be, this is ballpark, 78 or 79. He, what is, why is he so good at this? So is he 78, 78. or 78? He's 78. Today's 78. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Yeah. Well, Actually, it's not today. It was yesterday. Okay. But we had to celebrate it because you like him so much. Right. So happy birthday. And also, too, he mentions Pittsburgh in one of his songs. Here, here he goes. There he is. He's at the Greyhound bus station. Which, if you were going to visit Pittsburgh, I wouldn't say you should go there first. No, well, you know, he just boarded a bus. He's right, leaving. I mean, That's whatever. All, you know. Also, Pittsburgh and Jay Ashby was part of his uh, his tour for many years. Oh, was he? Yeah, played trombone and percussion on the tour. That's cool. That would yeah. be a great gig, wouldn't it? Oh, you know, you're, you're it was really fun. It every night. I mean, just watching it looked like so much fun. Also, you know, yesterday, the birthday of Nancy Kerrigan. Oh, we were just talking what about her, Nancy Kerrigan? today, what Olympics was that? Oh, 92, 90, 92, maybe. really? 90, that's my guess, 92. Seems like a long, With long time ago. With the whole Jeff Galuli and the wrench and the yeah, yeah. Tanya Harding. Tanya and, Harding. Poor Tanya Harding. And why? I feel bad for Tanya Harding. She was used and abused. You should probably feel bad for Nancy Kerrigan, too, well, since she got yeah, the wrench. Yeah, I feel bad for Nancy Kerrigan. But, you Jeff Galuli is the only one who's really not sympathetic in the story. It was the 94 Olympics. 94, yeah. 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 So she, Nancy Kerrigan took a, was it a, a wrench? It was a wrench. A wasn't pipe it, or pipe, pipe. Or something? to the knee. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a weird cool. story. It's one of those sort of like movie of the week things. And of course, there was a major motion picture called. I, Tonya. Yeah. 
which was just wonderful. I highly recommend it. It's a really weird twist story. I couldn't even watch it because you couldn't. I, no, because I. It's just. It's so tawdry. Poor Tanya. Her mom was it. just like you know I'm crazy. I'm sure. Person. Terrible. That's really just... terrible. Um, also, it was Jerry Jones' birthday yesterday. Oh, owner the of the Dallas Cowboys. How they do? Uh, they lost to the Jets yesterday. Did they? Uh huh. It was satisfying. Yeah, it always is satisfying. When America's about... team loses. Uh, how old do you think Jerry Jones is today, or was yesterday? Eighty-two. Seventy-seven. Oh, jeez. How old do you think Nancy Kerrigan is? Forty-one. Fifty. Whoa. She was 50 years old. Nancy Kerrigan's 50. That is so Everyone's getting so old. (laughs) Yeah, we're all so old. Yeah, well, all right. Take a break. Come back. We're talking about angels. Yeah, guardian. Does everyone, every Christian or every person have their own guardian angel? Mm, It's fascinating, isn't it? Lots of speculation about that. Your guardian angel or not. Up next. 101.5 WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. Suppose you knew in the yard of the house that you purchased, there's a valuable treasure hidden. And when you got the house, you got the treasure. Would you look for it? Of course you would. I would. Boy, won't it be a great day when God's people seek wisdom like they seek wealth? Discover God's way to health, wealth, and wisdom as we study the book of Proverbs with Adrian Rogers this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. Hi, it's Michael with Bible League. Can I give you an update on Stand With Them, our campaign with Word FM to send God's Word to heart-hungry, persecuted believers. I've told you about Ahmed, the 14-year-old refugee in the Middle East. You'll remember he was primed to be a suicide bomber, but he's now a Christian, almost beaten to death by extremists, but he is leading young jihadists to Christ, and they need Bibles. And Katsu in China, beaten and jailed many times, but he led his interrogation to Christ, and together they've witnessed hundreds of conversions in recent months. They need the Bible there in China. I know your heart breaks for Christians who suffer severe persecution. You know, many of these are new to the faith. They need the hope of God's Word. So with deep gratitude, we say thank you for your outpouring of support. We have a goal of sending Bibles to 5,000 persecuted believers, and time is drawing short. $5 sends a Bible, $50 sends 10, every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or give it wordfm.com. Nello is very easy to work with. Impact Christian Church on building ministry with Nello Construction. We had become aware of several churches that are using their building during the week as a community center, and we wanted to go that direction. They were able to grasp that, make suggestions that helped us along the way, and they were conscious of our financial constraints and were really good at helping us to see ways that we could do that within our budget, but within the space that we were developing. Got a vision? Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. What you want is awesome new flooring at a great price. What you don't want is to spend hours at a showroom looking for it. With at-home flooring, you won't have to. At-home flooring is where awesome happens. 
And their family's been bringing awesome straight into Pittsburgh homes with top quality hardwood, tile, carpet, and vinyl for over 50 years with their free shop-at-home experience along with great selection and professional installation. So forget the showroom and schedule a little bit of awesome instead. Visit athomeflooringpgh.com. fascinating really when you read about angels i think everybody sort of yearns for that that why though because it's mysterious See, and I don't it's get that. otherworldly I you don't get, get that at all at all you don't like the idea no. of an angel like it's around that i don't like i don't know it doesn't matter whether i like the idea She's anti-angel <laughs> kath is anti-angel you heard it here today it's on the ride home no, I'm just saying it's never, it's not like anything that's comforting to me. I mean, you have the Lord of Hosts. Yeah, who's I get that. Going to fight for you. I what do you mean? Me I mean... Off. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> John is anti Lord of Hosts. <laughs> you heard it here on the ride home. What the heck? Well, I, I don't know. I think probably, I'm guessing yeah. that the reason that you kind of like the idea is because you grew up Catholic and I grew up non-catholic i think that's why i don't know well i you know told you coming in here you know when we were kids we had to sell christmas seals and you know as part of the prize everybody got like this little angel statue it was just something that was like fascinating to think uh, no matter where i am i got this you know this person assigned specifically Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. that is with me always i don't know angels john gilhooley is with us john joins us from cedarville university he's director of the honors program assistant professor of philosophy and theology he wrote a piece about does every christian have a guardian angel and john you hear us i mean you think oh my gosh i'm about to get on the air with these two coconuts <laughs> our apologies well we're just trying to be honest i mean i think that's probably the spectrum of how people look at the idea of guardian angels do you think we're right i do uh, some people find a great comfort in the idea that they've got a kind of angelic concierge who follows them around mm. and guides their steps and so on. And other people think, what do I need that for? Uh, I, I have direct access to uh, the Father through the Son. And so we have to try to make sense of what's undergirding our desire to have an angelic guardian. Mm-hmm. Um, is it because we think there's a promise in Scripture, or is it because we find it personally comforting in some way? Yes. So let's go back into Christian history. Uh, was was guardian was the idea of a guardian angel something that was um, alive and active, something that first century Christians would have known about? Yes. Uh, the idea of a guardian angel is we find very early in Christian history and extra biblical Christian writings. Um, I mean, in the in the second century, uh, some in early first century things, um, there's this idea that you have guides, either to the good or to the bad, in some of the early documents, like the Shepherd of Hermas or the Epistle to Barnabas. But in some cases, it's not clear whether those are supposed to be metaphors for the the two ways you can live, the the narrow way or the wide way. Um, and also an element of um, some of the Greek religion these uh, demon figures, demon wasn't necessarily a bad word in Greek, um, kind of guided you or could provide spiritual insight. Um, so we have that relatively early, and then it can kind of continues. And it's sort of after the fact that people will go back and say, well, where, where in the Scripture could we look to support this sort of idea? Okay, so it's more tradition-based if we go back to the earliest times than it is exegetical. 
That's right. What about, John, the idea, so you've briefly mentioned this, so is it that in the, in the tradition of a guardian angel belief that everyone, Christian and non, has a guardian angel, there's good angels and bad angels? That's right. So some people held that there were it was unique to Christians to have a guardian angel, but other people thought that there were spirit guides of all kinds, good and evil, and uh, that it was some debate, actually, about whether they were assigned to people at birth or they were assigned to them at new birth. Um, and you can see that if we tried to canvas the scriptures to find that sort of information, you wouldn't find it. So the arguments are sometimes based on what made sense to people according to the best science or philosophy of their time. Hmm. Okay. So how about we turn to the scriptures then? Uh, the only uh, passage I know of that would talk about a guardian angel is from Matthew 18. Are there, so first of all, let's talk about that one, and then you can tell me if there are other ones as well. Sure. Uh, well, I'll say there aren't, there aren't any others. Okay. Uh, there's other, there's other texts that talk about angelic protectors, but not in a way that would make you think, oh, I bet everyone has one. What makes Matthew 18 verse 10 kind of instructive for uh, the doctrine of guardian angels, so to speak, is that it says, See that you don't despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who's in heaven. And there's a pretty strong interpretive reason to think that the little ones are not just children, but are disciples. And in that case, it goes, well, they're angels. So must be everyone has one. You know, that, that kind of thinking is then, that can kind of be read back into what's there. Um, as it stands, though, that verse is really the only evidence and it's very elliptical. So what that means is when it says they're angels, that could mean in every single person, or it could mean, you know, the three assigned to all of them, or something else. So it, it's still not a very strong basis, even if it was about guardian angels, to say everybody has their individual angel. I see. So, John, in many ways, and you know this, of course, there's a, an entire industry built around angels, isn't there? I mean, there's yes. books and there's jewelry and all sorts of different things like that. I mean... Essentially, from your perspective, is is belief in angels a harmful thing? Well, angelology has to play a role in Christian belief. The Bible says there's angels, and the Bible says there's demons. But it needs to play a role in Christian belief that's proportionate to what the Scripture says about angels and demons, which isn't as much as you might think. Mm Mm-hmm. So in some of these other cases, we have other religions that believe in angels or spirit beings, um, and a lot of uh, neo-pagan belief is interested in these sorts of spirit beings and so on. And so when we say angel, we have to ask ourselves, are we using the same dictionary that the biblical authors are using, or are we borrowing our ideas of angels from fiction or culture or other religions? Right, right. Okay, so that's an important question to ask. Where are we getting our ideas of what angels are like or what they do? Uh, Okay, so outside of the Matthew 18 passage, let's talk about how, how often angels show up in the biblical narrative. Yeah, that's a good question. So one of the things we have to uh, try to address in a question like that is um, when we say how often do they show up, that could either be how often are they mentioned, in which case answers quite a bit, 300-something times. Um, but if it's in what cases are they mentioned in a way where they're main figures in the story, instances where that happens are pretty memorable, but they're, it's actually not that often. 
And the reason that is important is one of the signs that something really significant is happening here is that angels are present. Because mm, that's, an unusual, that's an unusual cosmic event. That's exactly right. God has sent them for this specific purpose. So we have these very well-known, you know, memorable stories, um, Daniel in the lion's den, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, or, uh, you, you know, Zechariah in the temple. An angel and, right. Exactly. So we have those kinds of specific instances. It's actually a way to say, hey, like, wake up, this is important, um, rather than thinking, hey, they're always active all the time, always doing things, which, you know, they might be, but the Scripture just doesn't require us to think that. I see. John Gahuli joins us from Cedarville University. He's the author of 40 Questions About Angels, Demons, and Spiritual Warfare. So um, all this talk, John, about angels, um, I mean, it's the two things together. I mean, Jesus is with me, so uh, Jesus is going to protect me and be with me no matter what. Um, but the angels thing is kind of like, what, an extra layer? That's right. So uh, in some cases, people think of the angels in some of the early extra-biblical writings we talked about. They're sort of serving as a kind of intermediary. So in other words, they are going to communicate something to you that you might need to know to do the things that Jesus wants you to do. Mm-hmm. And we ought to be very suspicious about introducing intermediaries between us and the Father, because Jesus is the mediator. Right. So... We want to be careful of that type of, of thing. But, you know, sometimes the argument historically was, well, the way that Jesus is serving us is by sending his angels to do this and that. Um, and, uh, and we would just have to say, what textual examples do we have to make us think that's what we should expect? Right. I mean, w- one of my favorite films is Wings of Desire. I'm sure you've seen it, John. Yeah? Sure. I sure. Mean, uh, w- what about angels, you know, in film and in television? I mean, you know, they're, they're everywhere, right? We see them all the time. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And I think it's because people have this desire for these, like, robust, fantastic spiritual experiences, you know. So when you see these types of films, it's exciting to think that the world isn't just kind of humdrum going along according to its path, but there's this, you know, deeper mystical spiritual activity that's going on behind the scenes. And people find that attractive. Uh, So the, the concern is whether what we fill in or what we use to satisfy that desire to see these sorts of things. Um, And if if you say, hey, it really is entertaining for me to think that angels did this and this, or what if angels did that and that, so like they do in fiction, that's one thing. We have to recognize that the images that we are using there in telling stories can easily creep back in when we're talking about what we think is factual, not just fictional. And so we just want to be on guard about making some of the kind of large claims that we do if we can't support them from Scripture. Dr. John Galuli is with us, director of the Honors Program and assistant professor of philosophy and theology at Cedarville University. He's the author of the book 40 Questions about Angels, Demons, and Spiritual Warfare. What about, John, you know, um, John Hall was just mentioning about people's longing for that type of creature. What's interesting to me, and I was just reading this morning at the beginning of Luke when Zechariah sees the angel in the temple, um, it's not it's not a welcome experience that people, you know, for people to meet an angel. And so That's I right. think that that tells us right away that we've perverted our own stories. If people have, you know, are, are longing to see an angel because it's this awesome, you know, cuddly experience, because that's not what we see in the scripture. That's right. When we have these little uh, 
uh, ornaments and things that you can buy at knickknack shops, the little angels. Right. Somewhere in the artistic renderings, these cherubim, for example, became these like tiny pudgy children. Right. Um, there's a good art history reason for that. Um, that that image was associated with Hermes, Greek god of messages, and angels are messengers. So that was a kind of a symbolic image for that. But it softened the sense in which they're presented in the scripture, which is either they're indistinguishable from a man, so the person thinks they're talking to a man and doesn't realize until later that it's an angel, or they're so terrifying that people fall on their face, and the angel has to say, don't worship me. Yeah. So uh, those are that's not how they're typically depicted in uh, some of our uh, popular media. I mean, I think if you see an angel, it would be terrifying. It will, <laughs> will be exactly terrifying right. yeah, if you right. see it. Or right. you're, or, okay, so what about the, the times when people have, as, as the scriptures say, entertained angels unawares? Yeah, so that's from the book of Hebrews, and what's in the background of that is the uh, events that take place in Genesis eighteen nineteen, where these angels are invited into somebody's house, and they're referred to in the text there uh, both as angels, messengers and also as men. And the idea, it's not until after the fact that it's apparent that these had been angels. Mm. So the text there is not, hey, you guys should be prepared because angels are going to come visit you secretly. I mean, that's not the idea, right? The idea is that your hospitality should be as if you might receive angels, and you wouldn't know. I see. Right? Um, Not that, because in the cases where somebody, it's very apparent to them, like Zechariah gives an example, that this is an angel, it says, and great fear fell upon him, and he was troubled. So is that um, which like is different than the occasion where you simply don't know that you've entertained these people? I see. Right. Is that like the Nephilim? I mean, people talk about the Nephilim, you know, in the Old Testament as being giant angels. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the the best warrant in the background for for thinking that is from a book um, called First Enoch, non biblical Jewish book. Um, and in it, there's kind of an elaborate retelling of the Genesis 6 story uh, in which the uh, Nephilim are the offspring of a liaison between a- d- demons and the daughters of men. So there's a kind of a, a long Jewish tradition of that type of reading of those texts. I don't think it's very well substantiated by what we actually see in Genesis 6. So, John, obviously you're well-schooled on angels. What about you? Have you ever entertained angels that you know of? As far as I know, I have not, uh, which uh, is sometimes a source of uh, a chagrin for me because, you know, I will talk to someone who's seen an angel and then they'll say, well, you've never seen one, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, so your, opinion, your opinion think, doesn't count. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think, again, you know, we need to be careful because we don't want to say if somebody says they've seen an angel that, oh, you're wrong. I mean, you don't want to say that right, because the Bible says there's angels, says there's demons. They're real. They inhabit the world just like we do. But... We also are supposed to be in the process of discernment, testing the spirits, being very careful about these things. And we know that Paul says that even the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's not enough for us to just say, I've had this experience, I understand it perfectly, I know all about it. Experience isn't self-interpreting. We have to submit that to the Word of God. That's really good. Dr. John Kaluli's been with us, Director of the Honors Program and Assistant Professor of Philosophy and Theology at Cedarville, author of 40 Questions About Angels, Demons, and Spiritual Warfare. Very nice. Thank you, John. You've been an angel. Pumpkins, 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 and more pumpkins. Pumpkins are what the Springhouse is thinking about this time of year. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, and we love sharing our farm with you during this beautiful time of year. We've got all kinds of fun planned for you and your family to be able to spend the whole day on our farm. 
pumpkin patch hay rides, a petting zoo, giant square bale stack at pipes for sliding, a hay maze and a corn maze, pumpkin picking right out of the field, old time games under a tent up on the hill, and lots more. And when you get hungry, of course, we have great eats inside, too, with lots of pumpkin creations. Pumpkin pie, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread, pumpkin custard, and even pumpkin black bean chili. Every October Saturday features a family-friendly meal, and October Sundays feature our 4-H hog roast with all the fixins. Plan to spend a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. You've all helped build my pillow and the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to word listeners everywhere. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Now you can get deep discounts on MyPillows, mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. For example, MyPillow is bringing back their popular BOGO offer for all MyPillows. That's right. Buy one MyPillow, get another absolutely free. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. It's MyPillow's way of saying thank you for all your support. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the buy one, get one free for all MyPillows. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 for these great radio specials. That's 800-391-0954 or MyPillow.com. Promo code WORD. This is Kathy Emmons with Word FM. Did you know that persecuted believers are praying to receive their very own Bible? Nepo is a pastor in Africa attacked while preaching by extremists, and he's praying for Bibles for former Muslims now following Christ. Anna was forced into an arranged marriage to an abusive atheist in Europe, but her godly witness led him to Jesus. Emilio lost everything after his home was burned by witches in Latin America, and he's praying for a Bible to share Christ with them. Will you be the answer to these pleas for God's Word and see many others come to faith? $5 sends one Bible, $35 sends seven, $100 sends 20, and your gift will help us reach our goal of sending God's Word to 5,000 persecuted Christians. Become a Bible Center today, please, by calling 1-800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD, 1-800-YES-WORD. Or click the Bible League banner at wordfm.com. I remember when my daughter was about four years old and... She said, you know, Mommy, I decided that I'm going to be a teacher when I grow up. And I said, really? Why did you decide that? And she said, well, because Daddy's a teacher. And so I think I'm going to be a teacher too. Cool. And I said, well, what do you think Mommy does? And she said, you vacuum. (laughs) (laughs) What, she didn't want to be vacuum when she grew up? So her punishment's almost over. (laughs) uh, You vacuum. But what we see can determine what we decide we can do. For sure. Right? And so that kind of forms the the frame of our reality. Right. You know, what's possible what for us. What to reach for. Well, Delta Airlines has done something so terrific. I'm reading from CNN here. Um, Delta flies from Salt Lake City to Houston every day. But one recent trip was a little different, packed with girls getting a behind-the-scenes lesson about aviation. 
Delta Airlines took 120 young girls between the ages of 12 and 18 to NASA's Johnson Space Center last week for International Girls in Aviation Day. The event was designed to encourage more women to enter the male-dominated field. So the girls came from area STEM schools. They got to see women run all aspects of the flight. The plane had an all-female pilot and flight crew, ramp agents and gate agents on the ground, and women in the control tower giving pilots instructions. Wow. Then they got to tour mission control, and they got to see what's possible for them in their future. I love that so much. Do you know that only 5% of pilots are women? Just 5%. How about that? Yeah. Well, this photograph of the whole flight crew, including the pilots and everybody with the girls in the background, I'm going to put the article on our Facebook page. It's so terrific. Oh, fabulous. You'll love it. What is it? International what? what last International week? Girls in Aviation Day. Excellent. Uh, Amelia Earhart. Where, where is she? She'd be proud. She surely would. But we be. don't know where she is. Hey, stick around for the 5 o'clock hour. We're talking about Crohn's disease. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Syrian government troops moved into towns and villages in northeastern Syria today. That includes a flashpoint region of Benbij, setting up a potential clash with Turkish-led forces. President Trump says the 1,000 American troops leaving Syria will remain in the region to help prevent the revival of the Islamic State terrorist group. The European Union, meanwhile, moving, moving toward an arms export ban against Turkey for its invasion. Officials have unanimously condemned Turkey's military move into northern Syria and asked all member states to join France and Germany in banning arms sales to Ankara. Meanwhile, President Trump also says he'll soon be imposing a package of sanctions, including higher steel tariffs on Turkey for its incursion into Syria. On Wall Street, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed down by 29 points, 26,787. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. This is a solicitation of insurance by eHealth, an insurance agency offering plans from different insurance companies. No government or Medicare affiliation. The described coverage is not available in all counties or cases. Paid actor portrayal. Hi, I'm Dave Nemeth. And I'm Barbara Niven. You may have seen us on television talking about an all-in-one card that has the Medicare community talking. The one that gives you coverage for hospital care, doctor visits, prescription drugs, in many cases, even eyeglasses and dental care. For a monthly price that some people find too good to be true. Except it is true. One card, one company, one complete package of Medicare benefits designed to help you get well and stay well. Now that's something worth talking about. Watch your mailbox or learn more online at onecardnow.com. That's onecardnow.com. Please don't put this off. It's too important. Visit onecardnow.com for free information with no obligation. That's onecardnow.com. Hi, I'm Alistair Begg, and I'd like to personally invite you to join me August 30th to September 6th, 2020, for a week of Christian fellowship and a newfound appreciation for God's creation. Call 855-565-5519 to join us, or visit deeperfaithcruise.com for all the details. Salem Media Group presents the Deeper Faith Alaska Cruise, August 30th through September 6th, 2020. Get more details at wordfm.com slash Alaska. 
We don't do what other replacement window and door companies do. The only way they know how to sell is to high-pressure people. We don't do that. Energy swings Donnie Dara on a different way of doing business. We don't have phony price drops, like $10,000. But if you buy tonight, we'll do it for three. I mean, come on. We do things right, and we do things with our customers in mind. The fall is a really busy time because people want to get their houses buttoned up, and the holiday season isn't that far around. We're offering some of the best discounts of the year right now. $225 off per window, $600 off per entry door or sliding glass door, or 0% for 60 months. Now through November 30th, take advantage of great fall discounts, a true lifetime warranty, plus an additional 5% off for word listeners only. Visit EnergySwingWindows.com. That's EnergySwingWindows.com. The first few visits for a kid can really shape their future outlook on dentistry. Stock Family Dentistry, where exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. Time and time again, adult patients who have a phobia of dental treatment, it really started from a bad experience in childhood. And so if we can do everything in our power to make sure that the first few visits are fun, then it really sets up the patient for no fears when it comes to returning. Harry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Mainly clear for tonight. It'll be chilly overnight with a low of 37. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a pleasant afternoon, high 67. Becoming cloudy tomorrow night. A little bit of rain will be developing toward daybreak, low 53. Then for Wednesday, periods of rain in the morning. Mostly cloudy, breezy, and rather chilly for the rest of the day. Wednesday's high 53. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, thanks for coming along, the uh, Monday edition of The Ride Home. Absolutely gorgeous out there, just fabulous. I mean, all these days, to me, are just kind of like bonus days until you turn the furnace on and don every layer of clothing known to man for the next six months. And then we say to each other again, we still don't have fireplaces. Right. We say that it's our yearly every cry, isn't it? single right. year. Yeah, Why don't I, we have fireplaces? I stepped outside yesterday morning and I, I smelt the, the, the burnt wood of my neighbor's fireplace wafting through the neighborhood. And then you thought, why aren't I like that? Well, then I see him out there, you know, chopping wood and stuff. And I'm thinking, yeah, I just turned the thermostat up a little bit. <laughs> and so that it doesn't seem so bad. No, it doesn't seem so bad. So more sad news when it comes to relations between the black community and the police forces of America. Um, In Fort Worth, uh, just today, the police chief, Edwin Krause, uh, said he did intend to fire Officer Aaron Dean um, for violations of the department's use of force and de-escalation policies. But instead, he said that Aaron Dean gave instead his resignation himself. Uh, Krause said dual investigations were underway to determine policy violations and possible criminal charges in the death of this young woman. And, um, you know, I I tried to read as much as I could today about the story. And there's just I can't 
nobody can figure out how this possibly could have happened, right. including, um, what is this man's name? Fort Worth Police Chief Edwin Krause. He said, on behalf of the men and women of the Fort Worth Police Department, and I'm reading from CBS News, I'm so sorry for what has occurred. He gave some background information. He said um, that uh, Aaron Dean was hired by the police department in 17, had been an officer since 2018. He'd been involved in a traffic accident but had no other previous disciplinary incidents on his record. And responding to a reporter's question about how this incident affects trust between the police department and the community, Krause said, I get it. Right. Nobody looked at that video and said there's any doubt this officer acted inappropriately. We're trying to train our officers better. We're trying to shore up our policies, trying to ensure they act and react the way the citizens intend them to, that they act and react with a servant's heart instead of a warrior's heart. So if you don't know the story, there was a young woman. Her name was Adatina Jefferson, 28 years old. Uh, early Saturday, she was playing video games with her nephew. I mean, it was like, you know, one thirty in the morning or so. Uh, a neighbor saw the front door of this house ajar. Uh, and so this concerned neighbor called the Fort Worth police, and they went in for a wellness check, right, make sure that everything's okay. So body cameras show that when police arrived, a police officer shined a flashlight through Anatina Jefferson's window and yelled, Put your hands up, show me your hands, and then he fired a single shot at Jefferson seconds later. Now, this whole thing sort of revolves around that when they saw the door ajar, they also saw a handgun in the area where the door was ajar. So they thought something was amiss. This, again, it's just a horrible, horrible thing. And if you're a, a black man or woman living here in the United States, you nod your head and said, you know, you got to say, seen this i've seen this again and, and again and, and again we and just again. saw the amber geiger case right? right it just um it was probably what 40 miles from here yes exactly right so I mean, if you you know if you would google in the phrase black while just those two words black while which means essentially you know if you're black while mm, you're driving, right. you're black while you're walking, you're black while you're barbecuing, you're black while you're playing video games with your nephew, that you essentially have become a target. And this is a very complex issue. But I think if you're an African-American, well, I'm not going to speak for the African-American community, he's a white man, but if you are an African-American in this community, in this world, in this country, you, you see this. And, you know, for many years, how many black people said, we're targets, we're targets. And as white people, we kind of nod our head and go, yeah, mm-hmm. Now, through the rise of body cams, social media like Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, as a, as a white male, I see this and I go, yeah, I get this. Mm-hmm. I, I get this. No, and I don't believe in this instance this police officer was acting with you know with malice or anything like that. This was just an overreaction, and I cannot put my myself in this police officer's shoes because what happens in reaction of one second, two second, three seconds, I'm not there, so I'm not responding. Right, and that's the hard thing about these instances is that we, any of us, can just decide that because there's been a precedent of other stories where where African-Americans have been the victim of police violence, that now everyone is the same. And we can't do that. We have to strive at least to take each individual incident on its own so that we can, we can, you know, give people the presumption of innocence. I mean, we have to do that. But then how, 
I don't know how you do that while also recognizing the what has happened. Bent. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. You I can't mean, deny this. You just can't. And I mean, again and again and again and again and again. The only difference is with, this, with the rise of body cams and cell phones and whatnot, we as Caucasians, we see this for the first time and go, oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, there, there is something going on here, right? There, okay, historically. Yes, of course. You can't help but course. not say that. And and you want to think, though, that 1950s in the Mississippi Delta is different than it is in Dallas in 2019. I don't think it is. I'm, I'm not, but I want to believe that. I want to think that we have. Well, I want to believe it too, but I, I don't believe it's a fact. All right, but then how do we? At the same time, I am moved with compassion. For cops as well, simply because I try to be respectful of someone who has a job that is so different than mine that I can't even enter in, enter into it mentally. Yeah, again, I mean, I'm not I in their shoes. I don't have any idea what's involved in that job. I don't know what the pressures are. I don't know what the expectations are. I don't know what the, I don't know. All I know is that this woman shouldn't have ended up dead. Right. And like you're saying, it's split second. And you're not in that police officer's shoes and his fear and whatever's going on in his mind at that moment where he fires a single shot and fires a woman and kills a woman in her own home. At the same time, uh, again from CBS News, Jefferson's sister Ashley Carr said, my sister was enjoying a life in her home where no one would have expected her life to be in harm's way, especially not at the hands of a civil servant who's taken an oath to serve and protect. You can't argue with that, which is why the cop is no longer on duty. Right. God help I us. don't know. I don't know what the... I, I don't either, Kath. I just I think, know. You, you know, white or black, we need to talk about this. And I think, you know, we are talking about it much more than we ever did. I, I remember um, when there was violence surrounding a group of, of police officers in Dallas, uh, maybe two years ago, the Dallas police chief at that time, he might still be the police chief there, uh, is an African-American man. And he put out a plea and he said, if you are a young black man... Would you please consider becoming a cop? Because we have so many more Caucasian men who are cops. We just, it's not that we want it that way, but that's the way it is. We would love to correct that and we would love to see you help us be part of the solution. But you could see why, you know, black men and women would not want to be connected with the police department. I recognize that, but you you don't want to tell the police chief of Dallas, who spent his whole life serving in that way, who's an African American himself, that he shouldn't have that perspective. He says, "No, I want people who were who looked like me when I was twenty five and became a cop to become to to become a cop and help us to find a solution to this, help us to find a way out." I don't know, but I mean, the tragedy is that we're we're going to see this again. You know, we are. Whether it's you know a month or a week or a year, whatever, we're going to see this again and again and again. I don't know what the answer is. To talk about it, to engage with each other. I think to have the conversation, especially to ask friends of yours who are, if you're white, to ask friends of yours who aren't white, what's your experience like? Just so when each one of us talks, we sound like people who don't just have one perspective, but at least are advocating for friends who look differently. Than, uh, look different than us, live in different places, have a different perspective on life. Without a doubt, especially as still believers, have the, still right? Still have the same rights that we do. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're loving Jesus, you can Incredibly have that conversation. Sad. We're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to talk uh, in a few minutes with Lucas Mix. This guy, uh, he is uh, an ordained scientist. He's currently studying long-term trends in biology. But we're also going to talk about Crohn's disease. 
There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today, and it's confusing. Fortunately, I know someone who's been on the forefront of health insurance and all its changes for years. It's Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They help to determine which plan is right for you. They help you to choose the best one, and then they do so prudently. So if you don't need maternity coverage, call Marley. Do you have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley. Do you want just catastrophic or just accident? Well, you know the answer. And because they know how to design the plans, most of Marley's clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousands of dollars a year. So give them a call. That's Todd Marley, Marley Financial, 724-884-1496 or on the web, marleyfg.com. 101.5 WORD. At Truth For Life, we believe the local church plays an essential role in God's plan for believers. And we're committed to supporting pastors and church leaders. So we're setting aside time to hear messages specifically delivered with pastors in mind this week on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. Providence Presbyterian Church, Washington Alliance Church, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, St. John the Baptist Church, Impact Christian Church, The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction, design and build with one company. Nello Construction, full service construction from the ground up. Renovation, expansion, Nello Construction. The choice for churches. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. As a doctor who provided medical care to remote islands, Dr. Ben Lebrow has seen some things. Piracy, hurricanes, being struck by lightning. While most of us can't relate to confrontations with pirates, we get that life comes with risk, but retirement shouldn't. That's why Dr. Ben purchased an annuity to secure a protected income stream for the rest of his life. Find out more at retireyourrisk.org. Brought to you by the Alliance for Lifetime Income, the sole sponsor of the 2019 Rolling Stones No Filter US Tour. This is Brad Marshall, General Manager of Word FM. If you're a senior or associate pastor, we have a seat for you and your spouse at our annual Pastor Appreciation Luncheon. Join us October 22nd at the Hilton Garden Inn at South Point and enjoy great food, warm fellowship, and a fantastic message from Unlimited Grace founder Brian Chappell. There's no charge. It's just our way of saying thank you for all you do. Reserve your complimentary tickets now at wordfm.com. hear people talking about Crohn's disease. Or IBS or colitis or any of those intestinal disorders. And, you know, from the outside, because it doesn't affect me, I wonder, what exactly is that? How does that work? Lucas Mix is with us. Lucas wrote a terrific piece. It's it's online right now at Christianity Today. Living with bacteria, dying to self, my life with Crohn. Lucas calls himself uh, an ordained scientist. And Lucas, uh, reading your article, it's a fascinating work. So thanks for this insight. We really uh, appreciate you being here with us to talk to our audience about this. Lucas? Are you there? Yes. Sorry. I said... uh Wonderful being here. Okay, terrific. Lucas, why don't you start out? Tell us what Crohn's disease is. Crohn's disease is a disorder when our intestines don't get along with the bacteria that live inside of us. Mm -hmm. So there tends to be 
some inflammation, and we can see bacterial populations growing out of control. I see. Now, Lucas, how old were you when you were diagnosed with Crohn's? I was about 40. Okay. And what, um, you had been sick for how long before they finally realized what the problem was? I had had minor symptoms probably for eight years. Wow. And is it a disease both of the large and small intestine? Crohn's disease, I believe, is particularly the small intestines. It used to be, sorry, uh, irritable, sorry, it has a different name in the large intestine. Okay, got it. Okay. So, Lucas, from your perspective, um, it changed your life as far as what you were able to do and how you were able to do it? It did. I had a real sense of independence and being able to get things done before the Crohn's disease, and it really made me come to terms with my own limitations and needing to pay attention to my body. Mm -hmm. So what does that do, Lucas, on a day-to-day mix? I mean, do you have to be careful uh, about your activity, about what you eat, all those things? Tell us what that's like. Yeah, the major thing had to do with what I ate. I found that uh, There were many things I could eat that would give me digestive problems uh, at both ends. And so limiting my diet was really important. It also limits the amount of energy that I have. Uh, And for a few years when it was poorly controlled, it meant that I had to be very careful that there was a restroom nearby. Yeah, right. So it just changes the freedom of what you're able to do and when. I I get that. Okay, so your your background, though, prior to your diagnosis, um, you had worked in biology. You went to Harvard. You spent many years working with NASA on the search for life in space. And so the ideas of life and how it occurs, and how it thrives is something that you, was part of your professional understanding. Yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about the meanings of life, both in science and in theology. And so what does that look like? Uh, Talk to us about that, because as a scientist, you're also looking at theology. So in the piece you wrote, you you talk about Ecclesiastes and, and Romans. Yeah, I entered into the problem really from science. If we're looking for life elsewhere, what are we looking for? But as I got more and more into it, I discovered that this has been a long-term issue for humans, that we have really wondered what it is to be alive, and particularly what our relationship as living humans is to other living things like plants and animals. And one of the things that really interested me is biology has this strong narrative of entropy that it gets from physics about being careful with the energy we have. And in some sense, it's a a tragic story because throughout our lives, we are always just struggling to have enough energy to do the things that we do. Uh, In biology, we call it the Red Queen hypothesis, always running just to stay in the same place. Mm -hmm. And so really coming to terms with how that related to my idea of Christian life, which I think is is open-ended and freeing, and how those two things align with each other. And when I look at Ecclesiastes and when I look at Romans, these ideas of vanity and futility uh, and the universe being subjected to these limitations, that really lines up with that version of biology that we're always running to keep up. And so I was trying to figure out, I guess, how to catch my breath 
mm-hmm. with theology, mm-hmm. and that became very, well, visceral. Uh, you know, I had a gut reaction when I didn't get along with my gut. Yeah. So, Lucas, um, we all deal with finite capacities, and um, our energy is not something that is always there for the taking. We need rest. We need food. We need recharging, you know, whatever those things are. But I would assume that when you got sick, it kind of put a magnifying glass on uh, your capacities. Can you talk about that? Totally. I was working about 70 hours a week, and that seemed normal to me. And I really just ran up to not being able to do that much uh, at times, really only having about 20 hours a week that I could solidly do work. And that made me very frustrated. Um, I guess originally it it very much felt like a failing uh, because I expected of myself that I would be able to do these things. So I had to come to terms with being subject to these limitations in a way that I hadn't been when I was younger. So So you talk in the article, Lucas, that you say that uh, at first, you know, um, the, the Crohn's disease was a was a, a severe case, right? That there was a way you were trying to figure it out, and you you tell many stories in your life, and your own story, were it your story alone, can only be a tragedy. You're right, a, a frail body, a compromised mind. So, what's that like to walk along that path? Because here you are, a scientist, Harvard graduate great expectations, and all of a sudden, from your gut, something inside of you prohibits you into full flourish. Does that affect not only your your uh, psychological, physiological, spiritual well-being, right, but of course your walk with God? What about that? Yeah, because originally I sort of saw my, my mental life and my walk with God as something separate from my body. And when Hmm. I started really having to think about my psychological health and my physical health and my spiritual health all at the same time, that's when I really, I would say, encountered God as a biological person. And I started looking at these things in Scripture, looking at Mary being pregnant, looking at Jesus uh, breathing on the cross, and uh, Jesus eating fish after he was resurrected. And I really started meditating on what it would mean for my worship to be something that I do with my body, and how God comes to me, not just sort of in a mental or psychological way, Mm -hmm. but in a physical way. Mm -hmm. And so running into physical limitations really made me turn to God not only as an idea, but as a, a concrete physical mm. person. Isn't that interesting? So talk about, uh, I, I'm only going to pick one of those three, but talk about Jesus eating fish after his resurrection. What has that caused you to ponder? We have this strange picture of him after the resurrection walking through walls, and I think there's a real sense of, of freedom in that, but there's also this idea that, that maybe that resurrection life is a completely different kind of life. And for me, when I think about Jesus sitting on the beach eating fish with his disciples, there's this sense that that somehow resurrected life is like this mm-hmm. life, and that it's it's not just an abstraction, it is in some way concrete, and that gives me 
permission, I guess, to be a little bit more forgiving of myself, uh, but also encourages me that that I can encounter others through eating and drinking and and really engaging with other people uh, in this world. Lucas Mix, Living with Bacteria, Dying to Self, My Life with Crohn's. So, Lucas, now, as this diagnosis has taken hold, you've essentially accepted this diagnosis. Have you cried out? Uh, have you lashed out? What's that done with your day-to-day relationship? Well, I think I spend more time listening to God uh, and a little bit less time talking to God, which has been helpful. I try to just be more often, uh, and so I don't have to work quite as hard. Uh, I still struggle with that, of course. I, I want to be doing all the time, and I'm in a healthier space now, so I, I can do more. But I still run into that moment when I just run out, and I have this ability now to turn to God that I'm working on that has to do with seeing that, that barrier and saying, okay, God has set the world up this way, uh, and it's a, it's a reminder that it's not me that's doing the work, it's God that's mm-hmm. doing the work. So am I right in saying that uh, comparing yourself now to pre-diagnosis and pre-symptoms, are, have you developed different skills, or, or is, is it simply that your understanding has increased? In seminary, we had this wonderful phrase, the two-foot dot drop. I don't know if it's really two feet, but it's that, that move from the mind to the heart. And I really hoped that somehow I had the mental concept that uh, my relationship with God was physical and that my identity was, was fundamentally relational with God and with mm-hmm. other people. But the change, I think, has to do with accepting that and being more open to just the process of life and having less control than I did before. It's fascinating. Lucas Mix, uh, he studies the intersection of biology, philosophy, and theology. He's a writer, speaker currently studying long-term trends in biology with support from the John Templeton Foundation. Thank you, Lucas. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Hey, this is Laura Story. Are you ready to deepen your faith on a spectacular week-long Alaska cruise? After you prepare your heart with worship led by Michael O'Brien and myself, Alistair Begg will be sharing from God's Word, and together we will renew our vision, purpose, and connection with Christ. We'll let Scripture steer our hearts as we explore God's eternal truths together. Salem Media Group presents the Deeper Faith Alaska Cruise, August 30th through September 6th, 2020. Get more details at wordfm.com slash Alaska. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, Find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At extremetruck.net. The Forever Mark Diamond Tribute Collection. For your courage, passion, determination, for your tenderness, spirit, and the way you love. For all that you are, 
The Forevermark Tribute Collection. A diamond for each of your qualities. Forevermark. Beautiful, rare, responsibly sourced. Explore the Forevermark Tribute Collection at Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road. Visit trinityjewelers.com. This is a fact. Just 41% of first-time college students earn a degree in four years. At Grove City College, the average four-year graduation rate stands at 80%. Wow. I mean, you think about how much college costs now and how much you're putting into those semesters. And when you think about not graduating in four years and adding a semester and another and another and another, I mean, we're already drowning in student loan debt. Imagine what we're doing by not putting our kids in a position where they can be in and out in four years. Exactly. So there's something to be said about the intentionality of the administration, the faculty, and the students that they're all on the same page looking to those four years as a complete education and then perhaps into the job market or onto a higher degree. Listen, I'm telling you, as a parent of a student at Grove City, I have seen this in action. I've seen my daughter, after she's had a meeting with her advisor, just mapping out all of her four years. That would happen at the very beginning before she even started, just trying to figure out how best to make use of her time so that when that end of four years comes, everything's covered. Information is key. If you've got questions about your child's future, your own future, we encourage you to look online at Grove City College. That's gcc.edu. Excellence in education for a four-year degree, Grove City College. Mainly clear for tonight. It'll be chilly overnight with a low of 37. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a pleasant afternoon, high 67. Becoming cloudy tomorrow night, a little bit of rain will be developing toward daybreak, low 53. Then for Wednesday, periods of rain in the morning, mostly cloudy, breezy, and rather chilly for the rest of the day, Wednesday's high 53. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. I don't think I'm going to go anymore. You're just not going to go? Yeah. Once you get fired? I don't know, but I really don't like it, and uh, I'm not going to go. <laughs> so you're going to quit? No, not really. Uh, I'm just going to stop going. <laughs> oh, heaven help us. Generation Z. Right. Now, wait a second. They're just not going. They're and, not going. Or if they started going, they're going to quit going. Okay, so you saw the study where uh, young people are quitting their jobs in record numbers over mental health issues. Okay, so it was a conducted by MindShares Partners, and it was published in the Harvard Business Review. What's MindShares Partners? I don't know, but it sounds very kind of shady. important. Okay, this is the re- these are the results of the survey. About half of millennials and 75% of those in Generation Z, have quit their jobs for mental health reasons. Really? Quit their jobs. No, wait, Mike's now, a millennial. Not, not, yeah, that's right. Mike, don't quit. No, wait, sometimes I show up and I think, is Mike here? If that was the case, I would have quit a long time ago. <laughs> you know what? Well, you're, we were, that was well played. All the abuse you're taking. Yeah. <laughs> quit a long time ago. Your wife and your child are depending yeah, upon yeah. you, my friend. Not to mention John and me. Yes. So is uh, my student loans. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, compared to just 20% of respondents overall, 
in any age group who said that they voluntarily left a job in order to prioritize mental health issues. This 75% level does seem high. Mm Mm-hmm. It does seem high. Wait, wait. Read that a sentence again. Seventy-five percent left to prioritize mental. No, health. it says no. Compared to just twenty percent of of people who of any the age, general population, who said that they had voluntarily left a job in order to prioritize their mental health. Here's my message to all my millennial friends. Yes, suck it up. Get the work. Get the work. Okay, so maybe this is just not anathema to the generation, you know, X guys, right? I mean. People just, you know, look, take this job and shove it. That was, I mean, right. that was right, right, an right. anthem of the fifties. Right. Okay, or- so is it just that today, if we're talking about Generation Z and looking at the seventy-five percent figure, seventy-five percent of Generation Z are said they have quit a job for mental health reasons? Seems kind of high. Is that just because we're labeling things as mental health now that we so. weren't thirty years ago? I think that's true. Right? Yeah. You know, the, your, this job is sucking the life out of me. People go, I can't show up anymore. And now, we, now because of social, you know, the, the media thing, everyone's quick to label something, right? But I, but look, my dad, your dad, they never would have done that. No. Did you ever quit a job over mental health issues? Um, I quit a job because I was mad at my boss. Well, I guess you could qualify that then as a mental health issue. I could have issue. qualified that as a mental health issue, right. though I, I've said this, I've talked about this multiple times on the air, and I want to say again that that was a mistake, that you mm-hmm. should not quit a job like that. That was a, it was a mistake, and I, I regret it. Yeah. One time I quit a job, and I came home, and my dad was like, what are you doing here? I was like, I quit. He goes, you didn't quit. You go right back there right now, and you ask for that job back. And he, he pushed me outside and locked the door, and I had to. Good for him. Yeah, he pushed. That me must off. have been a really bad feeling to have to go back and <laughs> ask for the job. You just quit. I was crying on the inside and <laughs> sucking it up hard. And I looked at the guy and I said, "I'm really sorry that I quit this job. Can I have my job back?" And the guy looked at me and he was he shook his head and he, he shook his head back and forth and he goes to me, "John, you're an idiot, but you can have your job back." <laughs> Okay. Okay. So, what does that tell you? So, it, does that just mean that people who are young are stupid? I think in that's, every generation, yes. it's not that younger people today are stupider or more fragile or yeah. more prone to mental health issues or whatever. It's just that every kid doesn't. No kid knows how to work. Probably so. But yeah. again, if you were twenty-two or twenty-three and you were married and had responsibilities like your student loan or a baby or whatnot, mm-hmm. you would be less inclined to have those mental health days because you would just have to suck it up. Right. So what are, are so is the mental health label? <laughs> I'm sorry. What are I'm, you laughing about? Because it, <laughs> what? I, I could have taken a lot of mental health days when my kid was screaming and crying in the middle of the night. Right. Right. Parents, right. you can't do that. No. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you got to go to work. You got to get to work. People right. are counting on you. People are counting right. on you. Okay, so are we coddling young people too much? Is the mental health label helpful? When we're talking about anxiety or depression or fear for the future or whatever it is, or is it actually working against us because it gives us an excuse? I don't know. But I I think, you know, those kids who do get coddled, who coddle themselves or their parents coddle themselves – you know, the you, parents coddle a, themselves. Or the I mean, they coddle. <laughs> coddle there's a lot of coddling. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a fork in the road. You're either going to do it or you're not. That's how life is. You're either going to show up or you're not. You're yeah. either going to move forward or you're not. You're either going to succeed or you're not. That's just how it is. That's how life is. So forget the coddling. Show up or not. Take this job and shove it. 
Dr. Michael Youssef. Today, the gospel of Jesus Christ as the only way for salvation from the judgment that is to come has been replaced by the gospel of tolerance and by the gospel of political correctness. Even some of the elect today have opted for entertainment instead of the preaching of the Word of God. Passionately proclaiming uncompromised truth here on Leading the Way. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. So there's this guy named Jordan, and he's a healthy guy. He's a dad of six, and he works as a guide in Alaska. But then he goes to the doctor, and he's diagnosed with cancer, stage four. And here's the thing. He had switched from medical insurance to MediShare, which is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry, so the question for Jordan and his wife, Jenny, was, is this really going to work? Our medical bills exceeded $160,000. MediShare members shared all our bills. And it was about more than just the money, too. This is a real community. MediShare is, is a family, a group of people that stick with you through the hardest times of your life. I just don't know how I could have done it without MediShare. It's so worth looking into. There's a reason this is growing so fast. If you want to find out more, here's a number for you. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Homeowners love their Pella windows and doors, and we love how happy we made Susan from Sewickley. It's Susan Wallet. I just have to tell you, this bay window is absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's fantastic. It really is beautiful. Can we install some happiness for you? Right now, save $150 off windows and $500 off doors or 48 months no interest. Call for your free consultation. We'll come to you. Call 888-78-PELLA, PellaPittsburgh.com. September 3rd of this year, abortion doctor Dr. Ulrich George Cloffer died September 3rd. Nine days later, on September 12th, his family called police after finding fetal remains on his property. The Willis County, Illinois Sheriff's Office, the coroner, crime scene investigators, and the state attorney went to George Cloffer's home. Police reported last week that it had discovered 2,246 
medically preserved fetuses in George Cloffer's garage. Cloffer died at the age of 75. He began performing abortions in 1974, reported to have terminated 30,000 babies' lives. Charles Camosi joins us. He's written a piece that's uh, brutal and beautiful at the same time. Doctor's cachet of human remains shows the moral cost of practicing abortions. Charlie, welcome back to the show. How are you? Well, it's difficult to even listen to you say that again, even though I guess I kind of intellectually know it's true. It's just so hard to hear. I know. It's an awful lot. It really is. And um, we're all trying to come to terms. Everyone who's read the story, these stories, is trying to come to terms with what this could possibly mean. It's not just people who were involved in the abortion movement, either anti or pro, but people in the media are reporting on the story and saying, what could this possibly mean that someone would do this? Well, in the piece I wrote, I tried to at least speculate about that. Um, I've been thinking a lot lately about what it, what constant killing and being exposed to constant killing does to people, the moral injury that it often um, exacts. Yeah. And I, that's, the, that's the only thing I can really think of is that the constant killing, the constant violence, the constant not caring about women, that's another thing that's came out of this story is how and as is fairly typical, he really didn't care that much about women at all. It it just destroyed him. It destroyed him morally. That's the only. That's the best thing I can come up with. So this is something we recognize in other areas. When we hear soldiers talk about PTSD and that you know men and women having to come to grips with killing another human being or killing many other human beings, I've been particularly interested, Charlie, to read about the psychology of drone operators who are experiencing the same type of psychological trauma, and yet the distance, the technological distance, the physical distance between them and the people they're killing is so vast, but it doesn't seem to be dissipating the uh, psychological difficulty they're experiencing. Yeah, that's the power of, of death, the power of killing, right? It's so powerful that even though you're thousands of miles away, um, just pressing that button and knowing that you participated and, and you ended this, you snuffed out this person's existence and you did it time and time again. And sometimes you decided to do it, other times you decided not to. That kind of power, I think, also has something to do with it. The, the sense that we're not meant to have that kind of choice over life and death like that. Uh, yeah, we, we have it well-documented now in the military. We have it well-documented now in slaughterhouses. We have it well-documented now those people that do executions. Um, so it's just time now to admit what, what I think we all know kind of intuitively. Uh, this is a kind of killing right. and a, time, a very, very horrific kind of killing. And, and too many doctors are, are, are now coming out as, as showing this kind of moral injury. That's right. So you talk about this, Charlie. You say that phrase, participating in our violent throwaway culture leads to serious moral injury. So you can only imagine what goes on. I mean, you really can't, I guess, imagine what goes on in someone who since 1974 has killed 30,000 babies. And then uh, to take those babies and put them in jars and put them in your garage. I mean, it's so dark. It's so twisted. It's like a real-life horror movie. Uh, you, I just, it, it's truly mental impairment, right? The, the man suffered from some form of mental illness in the name of caring for women, but essentially he was just a mass murderer uh, at a profit center. 
Yeah, the only good thing that I can see coming out of this is that at least local media in Chicago and Indiana are covering this the way it should be covered, right? I was just Googling this right before I got on today, and there's a story from ABC7 Eyewitness News in Chicago talking about the total body count. That's the really? headline, total body count. And um, that's not usually the way people talk about abortion, right? No, no, we do no. everything we can to to not talk about the fact that there are human bodies involved. We, we use products of conception or parasite or reproductive autonomy or something just to say anything but the fact that there's a body here that is slaughtered. But but the only good thing that I think can come out of this is that at least local media are having to face this head on. The, there's a body count here, and the body count at last count is 2,411 that this very sick and morally injured person kept in his house and apparently even the trunk of his car. Wow. So that's good. So then local media calls murder out, abortion out for the murder that it is. You know, you wonder whenever there are instances of mass murder in this country, which, of course, happen far too often, they tend to, you know, like in the instance of Sandy Hook Elementary School, they tore the elementary school down or, you know, the Amish children who were killed. They tore that schoolhouse down. You wonder about this particular piece of real estate itself because it represents such ghoulish murder on such a large scale that the community in turn would be more than willing to let that property just be plowed under so there's no memory of it all. Well, it would be interesting to have Mayor Pete weigh in on this, wouldn't it? This yeah, it is would. This town, South Bend, Indiana, he claims to be a very reasonable person. I actually had had somewhat of a hope, misplaced apparently, that he would take a kind of moderate stance that reflected his, his rhetoric on other issues. He has not. But now would be a dynamite time, Mayor Pete, to come out and say, no one is for this. This is awful. This is horrific. There is a, a body count of over 2,000. And if this were any other kind of body count of over 2,000, of course we would right. raise the structure and and. And we probably have prayer services and vigils, and we give all of these individuals a proper burial and, and lots, lots more besides that. That's the problem with the abortion issue, Charlie, is it it makes us not make sense. Yeah. And, and you find decades later that you have a whole country which is built on illogical arguments or non-arguments or non-statements about things that actually matter. Because if you come out and say what you're really thinking, you condemn yourself. That's, that's, that's absolutely correct. And I guess I, I spoke too soon. I think there's another thing that's coming out of this that, that might be good, I guess. And that's that uh, some of the stories of, of women that have interacted with him have come to light as well. And that's another thing that we don't deal with very very well, very honestly. But um, again, AB7 Chicago interviewed a woman who uh, was quoted as saying um, she, she was apparently had visited him for an abortion for, for her twins. She was quoted as saying, I thought to myself, oh, my God, I did this awful thing, and my children are possibly held in a box somewhere in a house. Oh, what, what an unbelievably, I mean, I just, I'm even, it's hard to even connect to that because right. of the power of those words. And, and then, and then, and then she went on to mention that she didn't want to have the abortion. And this is a classic story. As both of you know, she didn't want to have the abortion. The father was nowhere. And then this guy said to her, if you don't do this, it's going to cost you $240,000 to take care of these kids. Right. He was, he was coercing her into this. And, and it's, again, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but just that 87 Chicago has that quote in a news story they did. I, I, I'm, I'm just, 
I'm, I'm grasping at straws here to find something that's hopeful. I really hope we can we can move forward from this in a way that's a little more honest with what happens yeah. in abortion. Charlie Camosi is with us from Fordham University. He is the author of five books, his most recent, Resisting Throwaway Culture. So, Charlie, I mean, that's, that speaks to the work, Resisting Throwaway Culture, because this is the ultimate in throwaway culture, to abort 30,000 babies and to have more than 2,000 babies uh, in your garage at your house as some sort of odd trophy. Right, and as people who live in the community being afraid to talk about it because just acknowledging that that's a horrible you know, death scene – somehow calls into question your political belief. I mean, Charlie, we're, we're people who really need to come to grips with what we're doing. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, we've seen numbers of abortions go down. I'm incredibly thankful for that. Um, I, I was so thrilled to see, uh, thrilled is a, is a poor choice of word, but I was gratified to see this story covered in so many major publications when I felt like the Gosnell story was kind of glossed over by so many. Yeah. But at the same time, I just, I despair for the soul of the country because I feel like we have deadened ourselves to these arguments and we've, we've hidden ourselves in our little, you know, political sphere with our political friends. We can all tell each other, no, 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 it's okay. It's all about us being happy and it's all about us having rights and it's all about us, you know, cheering for women when the reality is still death. Yeah. I, maybe it's because we're of a certain age and we've been down this road before, you know, multiple times on uh, many other stories, but I got to tell you, the, the thing that does give me hope though is, is my students. And when I give talks and lectures or, um, the, uh, there's a whole generation of people who don't know a lot about lots of things and they don't know a lot about this. And hmm. I mean, they often give the company line or say something that just sort of fits with the, you know, the spirit of the age. But I'm really hopeful. There's a lot of good young pro-lifers out there, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm hopeful that that generation is the one that will kind of have whiplash. And say, what? Wait a minute. What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and look at it with new, fresh eyes, not the eyes of you know, you know that cut their teeth out of the culture wars. And I've been again through this a million times, like our generations have. But but I really do hope that there's a new generation out there that that can look at this with new eyes and. and at least be honest about what's actually happening. Right. Well, I would hope that, you know, as these um, uh, the coroner's office and the police descended upon Cloffer's house and they discovered these medically preserved fetuses, these more than 2,000, that now something has to be done with them, right? So they, they have to be buried. And so right. this mass grave, which I would imagine it would be in some form, this mass grave in some way becomes a shrine mm-hmm. to aborted babies around the world. And this would be mm-hmm. a gathering spot for people to come together and to pray. And it would be a central point that people come to Jesus here. And this new generation you're talking about, Charlie, this would be the place that they would go to to look at the horrors of what abortion has been like these last 50 years in America. And isn't it interesting that Indiana is the state that got all sorts of attention for having a law that tried to make it mandate that babies killed via abortion were buried in the state of Indiana. And that um, that looks like it's probably going to survive, I think. I think we we, we need to figure out a little bit more about what's going to happen with that. But Maybe Indiana can be a world leader, uh, or at least a national leader, when it comes to, well, well, if, what do we mean when we say there's a body count? In every other context, there's a burial after a body count. And there ought to be a burial, and there ought to be a lot more than that. Maybe there should be a shrine that, that could be you know, the start of something new, speaking truth uh, to power about the, the horrors of this happening 
all over. And this is, I mean, the, the thing that makes this so terrible is that this happens all the time, every day. <laughs> you know, Even, this news story is, get, is getting attention, but this happens all the time, every day, according to these numbers. And maybe this is something that can wake us up to that. I don't know. Charlie, thanks an awful lot. We really appreciate your time here to draw our attention to this horrific story. Your thoughts are always welcome. Have me on any time. Thank you so much. Charlie Camosi, author of Resisting Throwaway Culture. At the Original Mattress Factory, we don't chase trends. We focus on one thing, quality. We only use the highest quality materials to build our mattresses and box springs. And we put all of our products through the ringer, testing new designs and materials at our test center in Cleveland, Ohio. If a new feature or technology doesn't offer a true benefit, we don't put it in our products. At the Original Mattress Factory, our focus is on what makes a great mattress, not a great markup. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. At the Original Mattress Factory, our mattresses and box springs aren't just American-made, they're hometown-made. Our products are hand-built one at a time in local factories, using only the highest quality materials. And each of our employees is also an owner. So when you purchase from the Original Mattress Factory, you're not only getting a quality mattress at a factory direct price, you're also supporting your local economy. Visit an original mattress factory location near you to see what Hometown Made is all about. Imagine doing one thing that gives you an entirely different perspective about your place in the world. Think it would be worth it? Dennis Prager here inviting you to join me for a 10-day Stand with Israel tour. A tour through the land of Israel in December 2019. Come with me to get first-hand insight into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. Walk the ancient temple steps, sail on the Sea of Galilee, and so many more unforgettable moments. Return home inspired, renewed, and empowered. If you've ever dreamed of seeing Israel, this is your opportunity. With expert guides and important lectures at key sites, we'll be together in the comfort and safety of luxurious accommodations the whole time. Join me for a life-changing adventure to give you a renewed sense of purpose. Get more details about the trip or sign up now to join other Word FM listeners on the Stand with Israel tour by going to wordfm.com com slash Israel. That's wordfm.com slash Israel. They didn't teach us this in Bible college. A family in my church has asked me to help with their son who's addicted to heroin. They're in a serious crisis, and I'm so busy with everything else at the church. How do I help them? For over 50 years, Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge has come alongside local pastors to help them in the fight against addiction in their congregations. Call 412-849-3224 now. Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge, bringing wholeness to the hopeless. Get your truly free credit scores and free credit monitoring from Credit Karma today. Download the Credit Karma app now. Credit Karma. Here's to progress. I love the joy that children bring to the office. Good dental habits begin early with Dr. Megan Stock. I like creating those good, positive first experiences. My mommy is a really good dentist, and she'll take good care of you. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. You have my word on it. You know, before social media dramatically 
changed the way that people interact. The local bar really was where people gathered to unload about the day's events. Sure. Right. Though these days, though, there's a growing number of people who are looking for an alternative to a, um, a midweek drink. This is from um, today's Tribune Review. Nicole uh, Brambilla has written this piece. She says this. The younger generation is choosing to drink less. There's a bar here in town called Mixtape. It's a bar in the Garfield neighborhood. The bar offers cocktails and coffee as well as healthy offerings of non-alcoholic or mocktail drinks. I like it. It's a socially inclusive space. Yeah. And uh, it's been open for four years. Where is it? It's in Garfield. I like it. Yeah. I like that idea. Uh, A sober bar. Yeah. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. So. You got that right. <laughs> Fat, drunk, and stupid. You have no idea. Don't be pointing to me, please, Mike, okay? <laughs> yeah, so mixtape in Garfield, you want to go and have a mocktail, a non alcoholic drink. It's a good thing. Hey, thanks for being with us today. John and Kathy Show.com. Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.